Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. Today is Thursday, December 6th. And mostly, before we get into the interview for this week, mostly all of our news is uh, America-Europe rivalries. The fourth annual Atlantic Challenge Cup took place in Las Vegas uh, late last week. While the result was certainly not what Team USA had hoped for, Team USA lost to Team Europe 11-0, I will let today's interview subject explain why they still feel, why the BCA still feels that it was a successful event. Before we get to that, though, we do have one other uh, rivalry match going on, if you will. The 25th annual Moscone Cup Championship is taking place over in Europe this year. We're halfway through the event. Team USA has a 6-4 lead. They have looked more confident than I've seen them in many years. They started out down 2-0, and Tyler Steyer, the, the American rookie, basically proved to Team USA that they didn't have to just roll over and, and let Team Europe run away with this. And Whereas in the past, as Team USA has made mistakes and Team Europe has capitalized, this year it's the exact opposite. As they have pointed out that uh, Team Europe's Eklant Kachi, the number one player in the world, has never played on a stage like this, and it's showing. He's playing very, very tight, missing missing balls that he he would never miss, one of those make it 99 times out of 100 shots. You have to hand it to Team USA, especially uh, Tyler Steyer, who, if Team USA wins this, he's got to be the most valuable player. One comment that I want to make on this event is I watched the stream, I've I've looked at some of the threads on Facebook and on Reddit, and Everyone seems to be complaining about the atmosphere of this event, and the European fans are rude. This is Moscone Cup. It's meant to be a circus. It's not It's not a major championship. It's very important for the players, but this is not a world championship. This is not a U.S. Open. This is not one of those events. Matchroom's been running this event for 25 years, and they... They know what they're doing. Matchroom has more than their fair share of events that that are ran the usual prim proper you're playing in a library type events. This is not one of those events. I think back to years ago being at Moscone Cup and Earl Strickland was playing and he was complaining to his partner at the time that the event was a, a farce and, and the Europeans were just making a mockery out of everything. And she sat him down and she explained to him, this is not a tournament. This is an exhibition. This is you being paid to come out and do an exhibition against the best players in Europe. And at the time, I didn't quite get that, but I do now. It, it's not a tournament. You know, this is an exhibition match between these two teams. Now, certainly they're both getting paid for it. But that circus atmosphere is why the event is so popular. It's the same over there as it is here. 
I, I can't see as to where either side is in the wrong. Yep, Jason Shaw is getting the crowd pumped. And yep, so did Shane, and so did Billy Thorpe, and so did Tyler. And the players know this. I, I don't think either one of them is looking at what the other one is doing and saying, oh, no, no, you're out of line. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, we were 6-4 ahead right now. I say we. I, I never hit a ball. Team USA is 6-4 ahead right now. Let's get to the interview. I sat down with Shane Tyree this week, and he talked about the BCA's act, taking over or taking back over of the Billiard Education Foundation, and he talked about the Atlantic Challenge Cup along with some other things, his thoughts on the chances that Billiards has to make it into the Olympics and, and what he feels the game of, of pool needs right now. So, here you go, the BCA's Shane Tyree. And I'm very happy to be joined now by Shane Tyree of the Billiard Congress of America. Shane, how are things out in Colorado? Things are wonderful. Thank you for having me, Mike. Well, thanks for taking uh, some time out of your day. I know you guys are busy. Um, let's get right to it. Um, you know, Before we get to... Atlantic Challenge Cup, which certainly, you know, is on people's minds. Well, actually, before we get to, to any of that, uh, how about that Team USA right now? Oh, man, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, I, I caught a little bit on a Facebook yesterday, and uh, the way Shane, Shane closed it out yesterday is outstanding. So um, I look forward to watching today's matches. I don't know when this is going to air, uh, if it's this week or uh, later on, but uh we're in day two of the Moscone Cup, and, and so far it's been uh, uh, exhilarating to watch, to say the least. Yeah, this will be online uh, Thursday, so day three, but hopefully we'll okay. still have the lead then. Right, right, right. You never know which way it's going to go. Um, they they surely came out the gate strong, um, and I'm sure – I think I just saw the lineup, and so I, I think Shane and Shaw are, are matched for the first match. Um, Jason's probably going to come out uh, and look for some revenge, but uh, I don't think Shane's going to back down any. No, they've got a, a new dose of confidence that I haven't seen for years. Right. And you know what? I, I – I don't know if that's Johan um, and Jeremy Jones, but uh, let's give the coaches a little bit of credit. Um, what I like to see in this sport is, you know, that, that you haven't seen in this sport is um, coaching. And, you know, you see it in almost every other sport, um, the impact that coaches and instructors can have on play. So pat their backs. I know the players are doing all the work and they have to cash the checks uh, that the coaches are writing, but uh, I think the coaches, uh, regardless of what the outcome may be, do deserve a little bit of credit for getting this team together. You know, I kind of look at Moscone Cup like I do uh, professional sports. If the team does well, it's the team. If the team does poorly, it's the coach. <laughs> right. No, there's always a scapegoat. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta hand it to Tyler Steyer, the the rookie. I mean, he he seemed to be the one who turned things around yesterday. He he got the first win. Um, I think he's a product of uh, Stan Schuff, uh, Stan Shuffett, if if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And so, like I said, he's been coached uh, very well. Um, that he Stan is another PBI instructor, so I know he he comes from. Uh, treating it like a sport and very disciplined in his approach to the game. 
Can you talk a little bit about the, the is it PBIA, uh, that program? I don't think a lot of people know about it. Yeah, the, the PBIA, it used to be called the BCA Instructor Program. Um, it's the same, it's still the BCA Instructor Program. We just re the PBIA or the Professional Billiard Instructors Association. Um, and so uh, Jerry Breset um, and Randy Gottlicker uh, started it way back when, um, and we've seen it grow um, to one of the programs internationally. We have over 250 instructors, I think over 35 international instructors, um, and we're seeing it grow every year. Um, we've had conversations with Johan um, and discussions with Johan um, to try to have he sat down with some of our instructors at the expo um, this past year. So um, it's definitely something the BCA focuses on. Um, the instructors are on the front line of the billiards, teaching more people how to enjoy the game. Um, kind of the way we see it as from an association, the more people that can learn how to play the game right, the more people um, will enjoy the game and more people will buy products. And, and, you know, to your credit, a lot of people, you know, it's a it's a common response. Well, you know, the BCA, they, they just do the trade show. That's all they're interested in. But sure. they don't understand that you guys are involved in this instructor program. You're involved in the junior side of the game. I mean, there's a whole lot more that you guys do beyond just the trade show. Absolutely. And you broke up a little bit there, but I think I understood the question. Um, what I'll say is that the trade show is our number one source of revenue. So we can't lose focus on that. Um, the goal of the BCA is to be in business for five, 75 years. Um, but there are a lot of other initiatives that we look into to promote the game. Um, our job as an association, our mission statement is to support our members and promote the game. And we do that in a, a variety of different aspects. Uh, like I said, we have the PBIA, um, the instructor program. Um, we, we do manage uh, the Atlantic Challenge Cup in partnership with the EPBF or the European Federation. Um, we publish the rule book. We have our hands uh, in support with the Hall of Fame with the United States Billiard Media Association. Um, and then here recently, we announced that we're going to uh, support the Billiard, Educa Billiard Education Foundation and manage their day-to-day -day operations. And that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Now, the BEF has always been under the BCA to a degree, hasn't it? Uh, it was. Uh, it, and that's how it originally started. Um, before my time, um, during the recession and when the housing bubble burst, um, and we literally saw this industry shrink by two-thirds, um, the BCA cut and slash a handful of programs. And unfortunately, one of the programs that, that the BCA cut at the time was the Billiard Education Foundation. And we, and the B, the BEF, um, kind of then went on its own for a few years. Um, the, the timing was right, um, that now it's going to come back to the BCA and we can help manage day-to-day -day operations and really inject some caffeine and some energy back into the program and um, ho hopefully continue to develop this youth movement that we've seen over the past couple of years. And I understand there's a new president of the BEF? There is. Uh, it's, uh, Ozzie Reynolds with CSI is going to be the new uh, president of the BEF. 
Um, you know, right now, currently, how all the BEF is uh, laid out and structured, um, I don't know all the details. We've been so um, focused with the blinders on for the Atlantic Challenge Cup uh, over the past month um, that the the whole acquiring the BEF is still so fresh and so new and so overwhelming for us. Um, that we're trying to understand all the nitty gritty and all the um, all, everything that it's going to take to manage the association or the the foundation in the right way. Um, we, I, I, to be completely honest, Mike, it's overwhelming. Um, I, you have to learn all the ins and outs before you can really take a step forward. Um, in some cases, you might need to take a step back before you can take a step forward. Um, and so we're looking at everything right now just to see if we what we understand, what we don't understand. Um, we're trying to retain as many of the volunteers that have helped the BEF um, along the way so we maintain that institutional knowledge. Uh, streamline as many processes, how to qualify, um, all those processes that we can to make it easier for everybody and so we can see growth in the program. So I guess it's premature to ask uh any changes you might see coming in the future? Yeah, you know, yeah, at this point it, it is. I, I couldn't really tell you specifically what changes uh, are going to take place. There will be some changes, of course, um, once we get a better understanding of it. Um, ask me again in a month. Um, it, we'll, we'll have a better understanding. Um, what we're, Like I said, what we're trying to do is we're just going to try to make it easier for people to host a, host a qualifier, and we're going to try to make it easier to qualify, not easier to qualify, but easier to register um, for the national championship. Uh, we want to make, make sure everything's aligned to the WPA um, credentialing, so U18 means U18. Um, and sometimes in worlds, what I found out over the past year is they say U19, but what that's the same way as we say U18 or under 18. Um, and so sometimes just the language barrier um, between classifications is hard to understand. So, again, it's just understanding the whole picture of the BEF, um, how it relates to the WPA. Um, you know, there were qualifiers um, in the past that were on seven-foot tables. Uh, you have to look at that should there be qualifiers on seven-foot tables to play on nine-foot tables? Should there be eight-ball qualifiers to qualify for a nine-ball tournament, national tournament? Um, so there's just a lot of questions and uh, logistics you have to understand before you can do anything. That makes sense. Um, you had mentioned working with Johan, which made me think back to a conversation I had here on the show with Thomas Overbeck, and he was describing the system they have for for pool over in Europe certainly you're you're familiar with what they've got going over there is that something that you aspire to or or how does the BCA view what other countries are doing it's it's hard to compare um what's going on in the states and what's going on in other countries um in other countries uh you know Germany Russia um, Ukraine, uh, some of the European countries, some of the Asian countries, they get government subsidies. Um, and so although they're set up by federations, um, we're just set up differently here in the States. 
Um, but is there a level of organization um, and a level of professionalism to be had in their events that we can aspire to? Absolutely. Um, and I think by understanding how to host the junior qualifiers um, and really getting our feet on the ground that we can bring a level of organization um, to the events where you provide these platforms for these junior players to continue to excel. When you think about European pool, um, a lot of people were up in arms a week or so ago when the announcement came out about Mario He. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, well, you know, we, we're regulated by WADA. Um, because of our relationship, uh, even the BCA's relationship um, with the WPA um, and their relationship with the IOC, um, our our players, all all of our players that go to all North American players that go to WPA events um, can be subjugated uh, to taking drug tests. Um, that if you want to be considered uh, a legitimate sport, um, it's just a part of playing with WADA and the IOC. So, uh, however sorry I feel for Mario. Um, that, 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 that's a part of it. And you, if you follow sports in general, it happens all the time in all other sports. And when you talk about the IOC, um, I'm going to be doing a show here in the future with uh, a different guest about this, but what do you know about this new initiative, uh, for, for billiards and the Olympics in 2024? I know there's a big push from France. Um, and that's the, biggest conversation that I've heard um, since I've been a part uh, of the BCA for 10 years now. Um, I think it's because it's coming from the host country um, that there's been such a push. Um, To take a step back, uh, billiards has always been a part of the IOC um, and the fact that we've been a part of the world games. Um, And so even if we're not a part of the Olympics, we've been a part of the world games on off in off years when the Olympics are not uh, happening, uh, when the World Games are, uh, there are three disciplines, uh, carom, snooker, and nine ball in the World Games. So we've always had a relationship with the IOC um, and events they've been putting on. And so because France is in 2022, 2024, um, they're, they're the country making the push for billiards. So uh, whatever we can do to support them, um, we're doing it. Honestly, what do you think it's going to take for for pool to make the Olympics? Oh, I, you know what? Uh, personally, I probably think it's a long shot. Um, it, if I think we have a chance, um, it would it would be by people signing up like signing a petition to say how much the sport means to them or um i know those the, the online petitions circle around uh, i don't know what it's going to take um i think in all honesty i think the chances are slim um but if there's a crack it, it, it's like that dumb and dumber 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 movie chance so you're telling me there's a chance yeah <laughs> there's a chance you got to go for it um and so if there's a sliver of opportunity i know the wpa is working hard um, and I know the European Federation is working hard, and uh, both 
between the EPBF and the WPA, they have our full support. So whatever they ask us to do, we'll, we'll fully support them. It seems to be, uh, sometimes maybe more so in the States, that there's two sides to the game. There's the um, Moscone Cup, U.S. Open, uh, Turning Stone to a degree, everybody holds themselves professionally, we're looking towards the possibility of the Olympics. And then on the other side, there's the... I mean, to exaggerate things, you know, there's the the $50 added at Joe's Bar and Grill where people are wearing shorts and flip-flops. Right. Is that something that you struggle with? No, not really. Um, I mean, that's kind of the, just the current climate that we're in. Um, it, it, it's difficult. Um, I, I guess I don't really understand the question. Um, but no, I mean... From where I sit, I like to hear people are, that that they're enjoying the game. Um, do I think Olymp- Olympic recognition is going to be the home run for billiards? I don't. Uh, there are plenty of sports in the Olympics that other people could care less about. Um, there are other things that could happen in, in the sport of billiards that would in my opinion, be a bigger tipping point to popularity other than becoming an Olympic sport. Um, we've been an Olympic sport. Uh, we've been World Games uh, participants. Um, and like I said, there are, other, there are other Olympic sports that, you know, just because they're Olympic sports don't necessarily make them more popular. Um, and so will we get more exposure yeah, we'll get more exposure, um, but do I think it's the tipping point that will bring us back into the golden age? I, not necessarily. So, other than... I don't know if that's a great take. Well, <laughs> no, I, I think that's that's realistic. Um, right. Other than The Color of Money 2 coming to your local theater or a trillionaire throwing his checkbook at the game, what do you think the game needs uh you know from our perspective uh, and again we are a two-man operation um and so to answer that question i would say what what can we do um with limited resources with limited manpower with limited bandwidth um you know we can't bring in outside sponsors with such small numbers so you have to take baby steps um, to push it in the right direction. And so kind of the approach that the BCA has taken um, over the past couple of years was the Atlantic Challenge Cup. Um, and that, you know, that event in and of itself, it, we've just completed our fourth year, um, but that, that event provided uh, an, an additional platform to showcase top junior talent um, from America and from Europe. Um, and so by creating small this event and just to showcase our talent, I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, is it a home run? Is it the tipping point? No. But you take these smaller steps and smaller steps in the right direction, and finally you've built something up. Um, what I tell you is that it, you know in 2009 uh, our our industry was decimated. Um, over the past couple of years. 
the industry as a whole has been more positive. Um, just talking to manufacturers, talking to retailers, talking to installers, talking to instructors, talking to junior players, talking to professional players. Everybody has been more positive year over year um, over the past couple of years. And as an association, what we like uh, what we like to see is, you know, from this Atlantic Challenge Cup um, with the new platform, um, it gives kids something to aspire to. It gives them, okay, I have something else other than going to a Joe's bar room to compete against adults. Now I can go compete against the best kids in Europe and see how I match up. Um, when we opened up nominations last year, um, and like I said, this is the fourth year we've done it, we had over 170 kids nominated, um, and we not we opened up the process. We reached out to every league system um, and say, nominate your best players. We reached out to the companies that we know deal with kids and say, nominate players. We reached out to the instructors and said, nominate the players. Um, and then we presented all those names to the selection committee, um, and they submitted videos, and our selection committee did their due diligence um, and tried to put together the best team that they could. Um, and so I, I know the results aren't what, what we wanted. Um, but when you look at the bigger picture, um, I think it, it provided the kids a, a platform to be showcased and it was really a reward for what they've been, what they've been trying so hard to achieve. You were at the event. Um, what was the response like for the American players? Were they, were they down? Did they understand the, the concept that you were trying to, to make? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's what I was so impressed with the Americans, um, that even after the first morning session, we were down 5-0 or 4-0 or whatever it was, um, they always had a positive atmosphere and team support about them. Um, and, you know, I give 100% credit to Mark Wilson and Allison Fisher um, and Earl Munson and just keeping the team together. Um, and keeping them positive. Mark Wilson would always say something like, you know, relentless positive, positivity always prevails. Um, and that's just kind of the motto that he um, injected into the team. And so, you know, even when we were, even when Team USA was down 10 to 0, um, the last match, um, Joey Tate, 13 year old Joey Tate, was begging to be put in so he could play a match. Um, and he played a match, and he took it heel heel. Um, and to me, that just shows the heart and the de determination and the perseverance um, that these kids uh, approach the table with, and approach the game with, and approach the sport with. Um, and that's what was rewarding to see. Um, and you you just look at these kids, and you go, you know what? The future is bright. You know, regardless of what the score is, the future is bright, um, and we're doing things the right way. Do you think that maybe maybe Team Europe's a little bit more serious about this than maybe they should be? I mean, that, that's going to sound wrong, but... <laughs> well, uh, well, I'll put it like this. I think it's really fun to beat up the, the Americans. So, <laughs> uh, you know, and we've seen it with the Moscone Cup. Um, and we always hear the rumors of what's going to happen, you know, uh, with the Moscone Cup. Um, it, we've all heard the rumors, right? Um, but I think the bottom line is that the Europeans will always love kicking the Americans' butt. 
um, and, and it's something they take seriously. Um, the, but on the flip side, I know all the Americans are, are um, keeping that in the back of their mind and using that for motivation because it's going to turn. It's going to all, all. It's going to cycle back. Um, there's going to be ebbs and flows and. Um, we always knew this was a long-term project when we started this with the EPBF. Um, and so we didn't think it was going to happen overnight. Um, of course, we'd like to see continued progress throughout the event, but what we see is continued progress through the juniors. Uh, the players will come, and as we see with the Moscone Cup after day one, um, you never know what's going to happen, and these things do cycle. They do ebb and flow, and um, we will get the best of the, the, the Europeans. Um, you hear me, David Morris? We're coming after you. Um, so, uh, uh, no, no it, 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 it's, it's all in good fun um, and the sportsmanship and uh, the professional attitude that these kids bring to the table blow me away. Um, and it's something, um, if you don't get to see it or if you didn't get to see it, I think you can go back and watch uh, some of the videos that have been streamed online. Um, and just the fire and determination and heart these kids played with on both sides, it, um, it, it's phenomenal. Um, I, yes, the Europeans are serious. I think the Americans come pretty serious. Um, you, you know, that that goes back to your question a, a few questions ago. Um, there are still cultural um, variances that uh, Americans are approached with the game as opposed to Europeans' approach to the game. Um, you know, many times here in the States, when we think about pool and billiards, unfortunately, it's always behind a bar. Um, and it's, it, it's you know, 80% of all pool halls' revenues comes from alcohol sales. So a pool hall, when you think about in America, it's something that's behind the bar. Uh, or the bar is in front of the, ball, the, the pool tables. Um, when you think about pool um, and billiards in other countries in Europe or in Asia, um, it's much more disciplined, um, and it, it's much, it's considered much more of a sport. Um, and so, that's where our work is cut out for us, and we have to elevate um, the, the 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 sport atmosphere um, of the game here in the states. Um, and so that that it circles back to the coaching, um, you know providing quality coaching they'll consider this a sport and it's not just something people are doing with a drink in their hand that seems fair and and you know i talked to roy uh pastor last week and and from from what he described there's quite a program in place for the juniors there is um and we did just start another uh program tied to the instructor program that's tied to the billiard education foundation called the break and run premier instructional program um, if we have any juniors that reach out to the association looking for instruction i can now pair them up with instructors um, and they can and these instructors will give free lessons um, and so any any junior under 18 um, i can pair them up they can do lessons through uh the, their phones, uh, uh, what, what's the app called, FaceTime, um, or whatever Skype service they might have, um, and they are connected to the instructor, um, and the instructor will give them free lessons via the media, um, via FaceTime or Skype or whatever. Um, you know, part of the association, what we did to ensure 
um, because we're dealing with juniors, is that any any instructor that's a part of the break and run program, we make sure they go through a background check process before we uh, pair them up with any juniors. Again, we're trying to legitimize legitimize the sport, um, and so we don't want um, if we are pairing them up with juniors, we want them to be in the safest environment possible. Even though, hey, they could be a thousand miles away on. Uh, on FaceTime or Skype, uh, you know, their safety is paramount. And, and the, the instructors that we pair them with, we want to, if we're making that recommendation, we want to ensure that uh, we're pairing them up with the right people. Yeah, you're right. That's something that, uh, you know, in this day and age, you can't be too careful about. Right, right. And you see it, you see, I mean, you've seen it happen in all over all, all other sports. Um you know, uh, you know, the last thing I want to see is pick up a newspaper and um, see something like what happened in USA Gymnastics happening in, in billiards. Um, and so we, we, over the past couple of years, we started the background check process. Um, and now any program involved with juniors, we make it mandatory. Um, everybody who is involved with the Atlantic Challenge Cup, um, we made them go through this um rob and myself were no exception um we went through that process as well um again that those are the headlines i don't want to read um billiards has uh, an uphill battle to begin with um and if we can clean it up well, let's do one thing at a time sure other than the trade show uh what do you guys have coming up in the future here or the near future yeah i know the world championships are coming up um, and so right after Moscone Cup, some of the players are getting ready to go to the World Championships. I think some of the women, um, I know Allison just left for the uh, Women's World Championship here not too long ago. Uh, then after that, we're going to roll up our sleeves and really understand the BEF. Uh, produce the best event we can for 2019. That will be partnered with the BCA Expo again. Um, but those are really our next two events coming up. Um other than the Cup nominations for the uh, 2019 event to be held in Europe this summer. So not the, look for those nominations to come out here pretty quickly. Okay. And the trade show is in Vegas. When is the trade show again? Yeah. So the trade show is going to be July 24th, 25th, 26th in the South Point Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. Um, the BEF Junior Nationals will overlap those dates. I think it will be the 24th to the 27th. Don't completely quote me on those dates, uh, but it, that's a pretty good ballpark for all the junior players out there to consider. Okay. Well, Shane, I appreciate you taking some time and, and going over what you guys are involved with. And, and I know that we're both missing uh, the beginning of day two of Moscone Cup. <laughs> Go USA and edit this however you can to make me sound smarter. <laughs> I have to do that for myself every week. <laughs> Mike, I appreciate the time. Um, and one more thing about the Atlantic Challenge Cup that, that I would just like to point out is that we've really tried to make this event um, all-inclusive. Um, and so all the sponsors, I, I can't list them all, but I, I thank them all because we couldn't do it without them. Um, and so just everybody who gives their support to junior play, um, the, the Atlantic Challenge Cup, the instructor program, we, we really do appreciate it. And if you want to get involved, feel free to contact me anytime at the BCA. Um, you can find the website at bca-pool.com. Fantastic. All right, that was Shane. 
I have to admit, when I first, you know, when I saw the score, 11-0, I thought, this, this event is on life support. What's the point? You know, there's, it's just, it's going to take forever for Team USA to be able to challenge Team Europe again. But I admit, I didn't think of it in the, in the way that Shane presented it in that interview, where it's not, again, a competition, you know, as the same as Moscone Cup. It's a place for those juniors to, to showcase their talents. And while, yeah, I, Team Europe doesn't necessarily have to send world beaters, but they're the best juniors. What are you going to do? You're going to tell them, sorry, you played too good? Either way, uh, speaking about the Olympics, I'm working on an interview with one of the people behind the Billiards 2024 initiative going on right now in Paris, trying to get uh, Billiards into the 2024 Olympics. And I'm also working on an interview with someone all of you will be familiar with, Ra Hanna from On The Wire Productions. Uh, Ra was supposed to sit down with me this week, but he says he caught a cold and he didn't want to do an interview sounding like Kermit the Frog. I did all I could to get him to go ahead with the interview, thinking that it would be very amusing, but he didn't have that same sense of humor. So there you go. Uh, hopefully, by the time you listen to this, Team USA will have won the Moscone Cup, fingers crossed, and I will be back next week with another interview. Thanks for listening, everybody, and Dave, we're thinking about you. Thank you.